This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's a way you desecrate, you know. Are you guys okay? We uh, we made some friends back there. Oops. Yeah, don't, let's not eat the weird creatures that we come across. B-B-B-E-G-G-G-R-S-T-T. I'm starting to get the hang of it. Oh, it's just too far away, Jack. I'll tell you when we get up close. I did those fucking cartwheels. 205 bones in the body of a fully mature horse. We got to use it like that more often. He sort of shrugs it off and that chapter's closed, he says.
What was that, Doran? Oh, nothing. He said that chapter's closed for some reason. What are you talking about? <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Are you reading a book, Doran? Oh, what book were you reading, Doran? I love books. <laughs> Welcome back to Dice Shame, episode 104, White as a Ghost. This week's MVP is Leon Vanderlinden, who is up to episode 10 and is really hoping that Red finds or makes some studded leather armor soon. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for him, but I find some. Thanks for joining us, Leon. Thanks, Leon. It is Extra Life once again. On November 6th, we'll be streaming for 24 hours a series of games, RPGs, and events. But you don't need to wait until then. Every Friday night, including this Friday night, we're streaming spooky games on the Invictus Stream YouTube channel. Stop by, bring a warm blanket and a hot cup of cocoa, and join us as we get spooky this Halloween season. And look to raise money for sick kids' hospitals. All right, should we get down to business? Let's do it. Woo! I live in a suburb of Toronto, kind of like up towards where if you drive for five minutes, it turns into farmland. So it's like, you know, residential neighborhood. But if you go past the next major intersection, there's like cornfields, there's forest. It's a nice area. We go foraging a lot. (laughs) Mm, You know, we're like, yeah, let's get apples today. Mushrooms. You got to find some berries and trees, you know, fiddleheads, catch a rabbit. It's the kind of Marion Pippin foraging where where we like steal from the farmers. No. We don't do any of that. And she breaks my carrot. My grandparents did that. I very remember them coming home with like, oh yeah, here's just a whole bunch of wheat we stole from somebody's, some farmer's field. <gasps> that they went, Wheat? I, I don't know. Ye- they, they had uh, a like their own stone ground mill and they definitely got wheat bread that they like ground the I flour themselves. Artisanally hand ground but- wheat from stolen wheat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always tastes better. I don't think it was always stolen, but definitely I have a very clear memory of one time Nana and Papa were like, oh, yeah, we stopped at the side of the road on the way home and we just stole this wheat and, uh, you know, here's bread. I don't know. Is that the most Saskatchewan story? I don't know, but... (laughs) They want you to take it. If it's there, they want you to take it. Right. It's just lying there in the... Field. This is Crime Stoppers, Saskatchewan. Statute of limitations <laughs> on that. I don't know. I picture Rob, you know, sitting there at his grandparents' kitchen table as a young child, thinking to himself, is this stolen bread? Is this... <laughs> I can't eat this if it's stolen. <laughs> why does it taste so good? And why does it arouse me? Jean Valjean. Forbidden bread. <laughs> anyway, so I was taking the dog out to the washroom. It was like just past midnight, and I saw something move across the street. Just past midnight. Immediately... I know that this is not a dog. First of all, we don't have an owner walking with a dog. There's no jingle of a collar. This thing was big and it was a wolf. So, Oh. <laughs> you know what a wolf looks like? It's not a dog. A wolf or a coyote? Yeah. This I am fairly sure that this was a wolf because it was really big and very gray colored. I was Like how big? Really like great dame big? I had the same question. She came back in immediately. She's like, "I just saw a wolf." And I went yeah, Harlan no, was didn't. like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> I mean, it was like yeah. I showed big, him this But like I showed him the size with my hands and he was like, "Well, there's, yeah, that's wolf no, size." No, he showed me the size of your hands and I went, "No, that was not what you saw." Harlan, I was like, "There's no way in hell." You just she's not like, believe it was me. like she's like put 6 I did, feet on I her arm. I did not. I'm I'm inclined to believe. He doesn't her. believe me. Only knowing that koi wolves are a thing out in Scarborough and a little further well, east there, yes, which are that is coyotes the, and wolves and 
You know, they're, they can uh, be sizable. And that's the thing. So then, yeah, we did some Googling, and she did some Googling, and I, and I was like, okay, if it's this, fair enough. But like a straight-up wolf... Why do you feel like a coyote mixed with a wolf is more likely than a wolf? Because there are coyotes around here. But and it would there make are sense. also wolves. And wolves are extremely territorial and you don't hear howling. How, how do you mix them with wolves without wolves? Like you hear well, yipping no, they don't howl coyotes. every second every second that they're alive my point being is wolves like if you do if you do some research on wolves you'll see that they live they don't there's not enough territory for wolves oh, around here i've done research on wolves yes. you're <laughs> so talking you, uh, to a girl who was very much into wolves as a it child it tasted like a wolf put it that way is it that's it, why that's why i'm a little perplexed as like i don't think that wolves would be in this part of our town. well that's why i started off my story by explaining how close we i think are that we should be land. paying close attention yeah we should pay very close, close attention to this intro because i think it's foreshadowing for today's episode well, you never know. oh joe's dead guys oh she no went, when i walk I'm... in the dog and the wolf got her i looked at this wolf and i could tell that it had exactly 64 hp and an ac <laughs> of 17 and... i tried to roll on it but that's right the wolf was chill he was just going, he was doing his own thing. It was it was after midnight, so there weren't any, like, midnight toddlers around. I wasn't worried about, like, alerting the neighborhood. Midnight toddlers? <laughs> when you said you saw something move at first, I did think you were going to be like, I saw something move, and this family is trying to get into <laughs> the house down the block. They're stealing wheat from the farmer's field. <laughs> this old couple. It's Rana and Oma. grandparents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And it was Rob. I mean, oh, Rob's sharing a cougar. I don't know. I, I went back to Saskatchewan. Ooh, oh, so God, I, get off Saskatchewan, man. I, I can't. I, I went but back, so now I'm all full of Saskatchewan <laughs> horror stories <laughs> from, from COVID to cougars. I did notice you're wearing a bunny hood. It's true. Bunny an, hug. An official is, bunny hug, which is the Saskatchewan slang which for is from Oh, it says it right on yeah, the I thing. I think you are. I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> like full Saskatchewan now. So, what's a bunny hug? A bunny hug is a hoodie. Oh, but oh, it's a oh, right, right. Yes, I remember like, that. Slang Saskatchewan for a slang. I don't know. To me, the name Bunny Hug specifically just makes me think of like of mice and men squishing something too hard and having its like head pop off. Like, you know, like this real strong. Pit the rabbit. Yeah, that type of thing. Feels like something Firth would do. <laughs> That's fair. I Bunny Hug. Anyway, it became clear to me that I'm not an adventurer because I was terrified by this yeah. creature that I saw across the street, even though it was not interested in murdering me. Mm. Uh, I definitely went back inside as mm. quickly as possible. It's because you're a Call of Cthulhu player. That's, that's right. a healthy thing in Call of Cthulhu. Right. So it's an animal you're like, run away! Stay away from the monster. <laughs> we were up at the cottage one time, and it was the middle of the winter, and I decided I'd go for a walk by myself in the woods at night. And I started walking up the road, and you know how, like, the wintertime is just crisp and silent? And, you know, I'm getting up the road, and, um, well, actually, full transparency, I was also smoking a little bit of the, you know, the devil's lettuce. And uh, so that... So you're stoned. That probably, that probably was worked that like romaine? My... <laughs> <laughs> ice cream. That'll kill you. <laughs> that Kale. ice lettuce and, takes you right down You know, I got, I got... You know, halfway up the road, it's pitch black and it's silent. And all of a sudden, I heard like running in the forest and I didn't see anything. I'll just say right there, I didn't see anything. But all of a sudden, you know, the mind starts to work. And before you know it, I oh, thought, yeah. well, fuck this. And I just started running home. Like I full on booted it. I was like, and then, and then, of course, the images go through your mind. You're like, oh man, what if it is a pack of Wait, hungry coyotes? So 
Your so coyote story is that you got stoned <laughs> and you heard something in the woods and you ran away one time. So <laughs> I love this. One time I didn't see one and it was totally there. Also, I was high. I love that. Alex does have this real tradition of anticlimactic stories. Mm-hmm. Like he'll like he'll like tell the story and it will build up. Maybe Justin remembers this because oh, yeah. it was around high school. You did a lot. I like, still do it. I just up, building up, did building it. up, building up, and then just nothing happens. And you're like, that's not a story, Alex. That's just a sequence of events. It's got a beginning and a middle. There's no punchline to this. You're not revealing anything, but you There's think no you twist. Are. It's great. It's like oh, I was driving so fast and I was like getting higher and higher and higher, and the, and the engine was revving louder and louder. And then I came to that stoplight and I hit it just. In time you're like what so you're just driving and you stopped well, you what is that it's not a story <laughs> yeah yeah anyways i made it home but in one piece <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i uh i was walking in the middle of downtown toronto with my friend uh, a few months back and um we're in this like really upscale neighborhood just not somewhere you'd expect to see wildlife and uh we we see this dog approaching us and uh it just like it's just got this friendly gait just like walking around and uh there's a car behind it and it's honking and we're kind of like what are, what are these people doing with this dog like why why are they abusing so it's it? on the road or yeah, it's they're on like the honking like on the road behind this dog and it's mush, just like mush. <laughs> and both like my friend and i both love animals so we're tempted to be like oh what a sweet dog and like and like reach out and and go to pet it but for whatever reason we hold back and sure enough it gets close enough that we can see and it's just it just looks different the the fur is is just all like standing on end and um mm-hmm. it's not like a dog where it's got like a nice coat it's just kind of spiky wild looking yeah very wild looking so it was it was definitely a coyote but it was just so chill and it like looked at us and just kind of patted along could have been a wolf <laughs> how big no was it? it was only about six feet or so i did not do that i did not do that like, it was definitely a coyote maybe a fox let me just state for the record: if you have done your research, then I believe that you saw what you saw. Like I, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. Thank you. I'm really surprised at the amount of wildlife in Toronto. Just I guess given the amount of park space, yeah. like there, like yeah, deer, yeah. foxes, rabbits, possums, possums skunks, like owlbears, and that's like in mm-hmm. the backyard here or whatever, right? Like I never expected that when I thought, oh, I'm going to move to the big city, and then also it's like, hey, here's all this wildlife, though. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a coyote, but it it was a lot bigger than I pictured coyotes to be. Far away, it looked small, but when I got it close, it was bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are, they're a very big dog. <laughs> <laughs> the perspective story. That tree is far away. I was standing on the driveway. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning the other night, and I turn around to see what I think is like uh, a cat coming down. And then I know we have skunks in the area, but as soon as it turned, because it saw us, and it turned and walked away, it was a, it was a possum. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, Alex uh, saw a possum. I was standing on the porch. It was late. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. Saw a possum there was a possum away. watching. I've only seen a coyote once and it was dead, unfortunately. Aww. And it was when Alex and I went ice fishing. Oh, yeah. We went on a walk that was fucked. Up the road in the snow and there was like a shed just up there. And we were like, oh, let's check out the shed just to be curious. And we opened it and there was just this coyote a carcass. hanging by its feet. With its throat slit. Yeah, and blood was just draining into a bucket. And we just stood there very, like, frozen for a moment. 
And just turned around. We're like, let's let's leave. And and to be fair, like here's two city boys that don't like normally see. There we're not hunters. By oh yeah, by we trade, were like right? so like you know we we were wearing wheelies on our feet. We had <laughs> skateboards on our backs. <laughs> we didn't understand. That's too many wheels. No, it wasn't that we didn't understand. It was just that you know we both knew what was going on. Oh, obviously mm. someone had hunted and killed this slices of pizza like, in our hands. You found my hut. <laughs> we weren't expecting to see it, so it was really sort of a whoa. Must have been a funny scene though to to watch because we we walked up. Opened the door, stood there frozen, and then I remember I pulled out my phone and took a picture of it. Oh, <laughs> no. And then we left. I think we've told the story already. I think we have just told the story on Dyshane. Yeah. I think you have told the story on Dyshane. <gasps> I don't remember That's what happened. Whoa. We we're over 100 episodes, and now we're repeating ourselves. Oh, That's okay, no. though. I mean... That's just like being friends with anybody. It's just they got to put up with our bullshit now. They're they're stuck with yeah. us. We got them yeah. on yeah. episodes, and we, we, they're hooked. <laughs> <laughs> and I think unless you're binging the show, we probably had the conversation long enough ago that hey, that's a maybe good point. You don't if we forgot really, about it, yeah. they probably forgot. They and now you're hooked. Yar. <laughs> <laughs> but then it really goes to show. Oh wow, maybe they haven't lived as interesting lives. They're just telling, they're telling the same bloody yeah. stories. That's why they go escape into this fantasy adventure? Oh, land. we're not interesting people. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, one time I saw a possum. No way. <laughs> it was late at night. I just saw a possum. I was high as fuck. All right, let's play some D and D. Yeah. All right, we don't need that many. We're good. Well, it's the wolf wolf episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> wolf bird. Actually, it sounded more like coyote. I don't know. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the koi wolf call. That's the... the sun is coloring the sky red and gold when you find your way back out of the clinging depths of the Lurkwood, stumbling through the cold back to the town of Pella's Want. A thin line of smoke drifts from the bones of a burned-out house, and the snow has been churned through with blood here and there. But apart from that, the town seems relatively peaceful. Most everyone is in their homes, sleeping off the adrenaline and fear. But of course, Jack needs very little sleep, I'm sure. Jack, what are you up to when the boys finally make their way back first thing in the morning? He's just leaving Kershid's mansion, looking very pleased with himself, having a... a Letters signed by the mayor that also came back signed by the council of Mirabar in this like frantic negotiation over the last night to making sure that place is going to get some help. So he's he's sort of stepping out. You know, I, I'm sure Kieran is is smelling some familiar scents on the wind and and jumping around excitedly trying to chase those down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah, Jack's feeling pretty elated considering the gravity of the situation yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. So you boys waltz into town and there's Jack leaving the mansion. Hey, Jack. Ugh. It's more of a crawl back into town, just, just yeah. like dragging ourselves on the snow. Red's got that late night energy, though. You know, when like that second wind hits you, like you're just sort of like yeah. erratic because you're so tired. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. This is it. We're back. Are you guys okay? Uh, oh, man, it was so cool. We went to the mansion. It was so much farther than Firth said it was. And then we had this food, and then Doran and Kraloth were fighting over somebody, and then these creatures came out. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we weren't fighting, but they're the, she was just so beautiful. I can't. Uh, and there's like, he's looking back in sort of a wanting manner. <laughs> wanting the manner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we made some friends back there. Huh. And some enemies. These weird little creatures jumped out. Hey, I got one for you. And Red reaches oh, yeah. into his bag. And he pulls out the dead corpse of this small little creature. Huh. 
This is a creature you've never seen before, Jack. Yeah. Isn't this cool? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, we we fought a bunch of them. I, I sliced a bunch in half, like uh, like I was playing that, that game that the kids play. <laughs> kind of like parasites. They latch onto you and try to drink your blood. Yeah, one got my leg. Then we fought a big one, which didn't really look like this at all. It had yeah. big, long, tentacly arms, but... Uh... Yeah, the despair dude. Anyway, I thought you'd like to see this guy. Yeah. Maybe we should try to eat it. It looks like it's edible. No, I... No, I... don't eat it, Dorin. Uh, well, I mean, with the right spices. Well... Yeah, don't... Let's not eat the weird creatures that we come across. Well... Uh, all right. Yeah, it definitely looks otherworldly. Uh, hmm. Dorin's just, like, looking between that and, like, a chicken hanging in a window, and he's like, hmm, hmm. Mm-hmm. Why don't we? Why don't we get you some food? Otherwise, I, I had a minute to try and tidy up first. <laughs> Doran's <place>. hungry. <laughs> we uh, had plenty of food for some reason. I don't know why Doran's hungry. We literally were at a party. But we just hiked. And Red puts the little thing away for a moment, and he's like, "But the uh, hostess did say that there was this hunger. the The hunger is what she called it, and she said it was sort of ravaging the lands more or less. Mm. Oh, and she gave us this, and I hand the letter to Jack. Wow." I figure you know how to mail these things. I don't know stamps and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got a, another letter about to go. I can add this bit as an appendix on it and uh, send that right off. Yeah. And Jack, I think maybe goes goes into the house that Firth was living in and sits down at the table to read this letter and do a little bit of magical letter writing. His his favorite pastime. Kraloth, um, for the first time ever, seems really curious and like sits with you. And just, you know, polishes his shield, gets the blood off of his mace, and just looks up at you while you're writing your letters. And mm-hmm. I might, uh, at some point, enlist your help in uh, writing a letter to, to, to someone. Um, of course. Just uh, down the road. Not n- anytime soon, but... Uh, yeah, whenever we got a spare hour on the airship, let's let's talk about it more. Let's. I'm ready to get out of this town, though. Yeah. I'd, I'd really like that. Me too. And Red like bursts in, shaking off the snow. And he's like, I just flagged down the airship. I'm hoping that uh, we can get the hell out of here. I picture Red shaking off snow like a dog shaking off. Yeah. Snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The airship is, of course, still hovering nearby. It's maybe just been a kilometer away waiting for the sign to come and retrieve you. I think Jack promised it like a green sigil. But seeing Red doing cartwheels in the snow... It starts to drive uh-huh. closer um, just to investigate. I mean, Red can do minor illusion, too. He could he could have signaled it with magic. I did cartwheels, man. <laughs> I did those fucking cartwheels. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> and, like, the pattern in the snow is, like, spelt out, pick us up. It's, <laughs> like, all, it's misspelled. Like, all misspelled. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. The airship drifts closer and extends ladders down to the ground for you all to climb up. And Red climbs up. And Kraloth climbs up. Yeah, Jack waves goodbye to the folks at town he was dealing with and uh, climbs up the ladder. I feel like Doran climbs the ladder, but, you know, just kind of continually looks back thinking of his infatuation with this uh, marina. Mm-hmm. He sort of shrugs it off and that chapter's closed, he says. What was that, Doran? Oh, nothing. He said that chapter's closed for some reason. What are you talking about? <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Are you reading a book, Doran? Oh, what book were you reading, Doran? I love books. Are you doing that thing again <laughs> where you're talking out loud when you're meant to be thinking, God, I do this all the time. <laughs> and as the airship departs the town of Pelizwant, the few people who are outside this early in the morning wave you a farewell as the airship disappears into the distance. Another town saved. Another orphanage started. <laughs> 
as the smoke rises behind us. <laughs> Good job, us. This town's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> On board the airship, you rest and recover. It's been a long yeah. night for everyone. Oh. Shale is happy to see you, Red. His alien eyes spin with delight. Hi, baby. Someone needs a little bath. Me, mainly. So everyone gets the benefits of a long rest. Cool. And you continue following Harshnag's map, tracing the border of the Lurkwood out onto the plains, sailing over gorgeous and stark wilderness. A herd of deer pick at the frosted field below you, raising their heads in curiosity and alarm to mark your passage. And you travel towards Shining White, this barbarian spirit mound. Anything exciting happen while you travel, or? I think Red works with Jack to fill this ring of spell storing with some of his spells. Oh, yeah. And I think Red's like, look, I think this thing can cast a few spells, and I'm wondering if there's anything you can throw into this bad boy to save our skin if the need be. And I feel like the two of them are, like, leaning over a table, looking at the ring, kind of trying to decide which spells to put into it. And you know what? I think Doran maybe could wear this. You know, Doran with a little bit of extra firepower in terms of, you know, stone skin on himself, you know, things like that could be pretty cool. You guys are like going through Jack's spell book to see like Yeah, what and Red's just like looking at are. it upside down from the other side of the table and he's like, Whoa, why don't we give him that awesome thunder step you have where you can blow shit up and then zap away? Because if things get really hairy while he's up close, I could see that being a real time saver, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'll I'll put that one in and uh, a trusty shield in there and that'll keep Doran out of danger. I'd hate to have him Go down. He he came back pretty shook. I don't know what what you guys left back there in the mansion, but hey, Doran, get over here. Doran's asleep, so like I'm kind of picture while you guys are talking about this, you keep glancing back at Doran sleeping, kind of considering what might affect him the best. Doran, wake up! Jack and I got something for you. <clears throat> oh, somebody call my name. He jumps up. Oh, what'd you wake me up for? This is uh, <clears throat> I hope it's important. I was getting some rest. Remember this? This is the ring that I got that removed the curse from that freaky dude Renzo. Oh, yeah, the magic ring. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What about it? I've put some spells in it that I, I think you could use that, that would maybe come in handy for you. So there, there's some protections and a little bit of escape here. You, you. Uh, I mean, I help too, but yeah, sure. Put it this way. Thank both of you uh, for, for doing this for me. Uh, I'm not really sure uh, I... It's magic. I, d- I just don't know uh, how to do it. And um, you can do it, Doran. When the time comes, I'll, I'll remind you. But it's just like that wand you've got. Oh, okay. Well, if you guys say it's it's gonna work, then okay. So he puts the ring on. I love that. With all these magical artifacts, Doran is slowly becoming like a battle mage of some kind. <laughs> hey, maybe in another hundred episodes. Apprentice wizard. You never know. Atop a rocky hill overlooking a tributary of the Serbran River, a tall spire of white stone rises up to pierce the rays of the setting sun. Visible for a fair distance as you approach, the spire is surely the eponymous shining white. Two concentric raised rings of snow-covered earth span what must be nearly 800 feet, undulating as if to symbolize something specific. 
From your bird's eye view, the shape contained within the centermost ring of earth looks almost like a winged creature of some kind. The snow covering the sacred site is marred with dozens of excavations showing black earth underneath. Every 50 feet or so, another hole is marked with sprays of dirt across the snow. Wow, look at that. Am I am I fair to assume that that's the uh, the shining white thing that we're looking for? It must be. It sure is shiny and white. You're still on the deck of the airship. Uh, Red looks out with a perception of twenty. Your natural passive perception. Bingo, bingo. How high up are you flying? Three hundred feet. Three hundred feet. It's a venerable height. How tall is that spire? Ooh, great question. The spire is about 280 feet tall. Wow. So you're yeah. just almost in line with the, the top of the spire. But we're not near it. So you're approaching the mound from the south right now. Yeah, so there's like this mound, and then at the opposite end of the mound, sort of like the opposite end of the circle, there's like this giant spire. Exactly, yes. So Red, with your passive perception of 20, you see that someone has recently desecrated this spirit mound there are many ears and cairns of stone that seem to be toppled and broken all across the surface of this mm. inner circle of mounded earth and snow hey Kraloth, mm. the uh looks like it's been desecrated a little bit down there mm-hmm. someone's pushed over some of those pretty stones yeah must have been for some sort of ritual before uh it was destroyed uh i mean i wonder what the effect would have been to start maybe our job is done jack what exactly did the oracle say again we needed to desecrate these by returning the artifacts or something well there's some giant artifact that is in here somewhere it could be somebody was here looking for it before us i i imagine maybe someone was here looking for it is there any sign of giant footprints or anything i don't see anything I assume a natural 20 would have revealed. You're going to have to land in order yeah. to perform a more thorough investigation. We're going to have to land to perform a more thorough investigation. <laughs> I feel like Doran sticks his head out the side of like the airship and looks down and sees all these holes that have been dug and feels a little bit ashamed of whoever has done it. Obviously, this is really kind of torn apart this uh, somewhat sacred site. You do know that's why we're here, Doran, though, right? Well, yeah. You're also but, I mean, desecrating look, these things. Look at the way that, that, that it's been done. I mean, there's a way you desecrate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me rephrase. I forgot that's, yeah. I hope someone hasn't, you know, taken what we're looking for already. Mm, yeah. Fair. Is there any evidence about which of the tribes this site belonged to? Yeah, I mean, you have your handy mnemonic device. <laughs> what was that mnemonic device? My mnemonic device. How could anyone forget B B B E G G G R S T T? Of course, <laughs> of course. Such an easy to remember. Oh yeah, simple. It rolls off the tongue. Thing. Three Bs, one E, three Gs, R S T T. Like I, I don't know. It just works in my brain. Yes, it does. Based on the shape of this spirit mound and its location, you'd think that it's likely belonging to the Griffin tribe, which you know makes sense based on the fact that the center is like a winged creature. Yeah, look at that third G right there. See, there's the shape of a griffin. If you look, you can you can sort of see it. Uh, it's dug a hole there. They've got this altar in the middle of it. I think that huh. 
Jack stops himself for a minute because that's clearly the place he's most interested in going, but whether that's the right place to go. I'd certainly want to ha- see what's happening at that altar there um, if we think that would be a place to start, but, but you know. Well, that's the question. How do we want to go about this? You're obviously the expert. You've been to the most things of this ilk. Never a great Karen like this. Do I know anything else about the Griffin tribe? Yeah, roll a, a history check about this tribe. I'd love to. You definitely know some some particular details about different tribes. Yeah. 22. You know that the Griffin tribe maintains a semi-permanent walled settlement, which is not very common among the barbarian tribes. It's fairly nearby in the Serbrin Hills. It's more of a guarded encampment than anything, but it's somewhat close by to this location. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I guess it makes sense this would be the Griffin tribe. I don't know why I didn't put it together before. The, Do the, they actually ride griffins, or is that just like a holy symbol of theirs, like a totem? Oh, yeah, that would be so cool. It's not outside the possibility. Listen, it's not weird to ride griffins. The cavalry and water deep ride griffins. Everybody rides griffins, don't they? Have you never seen somebody ride a griffin? We don't need the judgments. We're just saying it's cool, <laughs> man. Like, Well, also, uh, I'm a little concerned because that means our... Uh, our airship is maybe a bit more vulnerable than it was in Pella's Want. Hey, good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Maybe we should get down on the ground and have it pull back a little ways. Mm. Yeah. Tell it to come pick us up. Look at that spire over there. Maybe, what What have we got? No, that's a stupid idea. Good job, Darren. You saw it. <laughs> What's your stupid idea? I want to hear no, it. No, no. Would you scale down the spire? La- landing on the top of the spire. <laughs> the yeah. griffins surely can't get us up there. <laughs> Not if we're high above them. <laughs> All right, so what's the plan? Uh, Why don't we uh, touch down and uh, get a closer look yeah. uh, while the weather's nice? Well, let's not nice. touch down. I think you were saying we, we go down, Yeah, right? that's what I meant. Yeah, our yeah, feet. Yeah. We touch yeah, yeah. down with our feet while the airship stays Just high. Just check. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. All right. And Red jumps over the side and... And slides down the ladder. Just looking so cool. As it's unfurling beneath you. Oh, man. I imagine, like, when you're traveling on this thing, that Red has people let the ladders down partially so that he can just, like, hang on and, like, feel like he's flying. Oh, yeah. I mean, he casts the icy mantle, right? Just in case. Yeah. Because he's not crazy. No, cool. But this time he doesn't. Kraloth looks at the ladder and he has this weird moment of, what the hell? He grabs onto his backpack, takes a deep breath, and jumps over the side. <gasps> oh, my God. And pulls the cord nice. to his awesome. balloon chute and uh, slowly levitates to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm starting to get the hang of it. Who else does a cool dismount? Well, I don't do a cool dismount, but I see Kraloth jump off the side. Kraloth, no, no. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right, Doran. Oh, my God. You got to get one of these packs. That's great. No, you nearly gave me a heart attack. I want to give you inspiration, Kraloth. Nah. You're hey, facing you your, fears. your fears. Yeah, yeah. You're using your magic items in a cool way. And I love like the image of Kraloth sailing down through this dusk <laughs> yeah. sky onto this holy site. I feel like you land there before Red is down. You know, like he lands ha, and turns around. Hey, buddy. Ha, how did you get here? Oh, uh, backpack. What? Like a holy paratrooper. <laughs> ah, cool, man. Yeah, we got to use it like that more often. Nice. High five. Ah, uh, high five. 
Jack checks his backpack to make sure he has everything he'd want in there for an archaeological investigation and sort of like has his little shovel and pick packed away and a little <laughs> uh, rope tied on. Yeah. Gets that already. Safely tucks Kieran away in a pocket dimension and starts like carefully making it down this ladder with this big backpack on the, on the back of him, just like he's he's in his element. Jack must be so excited right now. Oh, absolutely. This is his dream. It's his certainly an area of interest for him. And I mean, it's it's also a little tragic, both seeing that it's already had some stuff knocked over or, or messed up a little bit and not getting to see it in the pristine condition. But that's the archaeologist's curse, right? You never get to see anything the way it's intended. And you just got to piece it all together. And so his mind's already trying to like stand yeah. the rocks up. and You got to use yeah. your imagination. Yeah. Are you coming, Doran? I need somebody to map it out. Doran nervously climbs over the edge and climbs down the ladder as he does every other time. So all four of you are on the ground now. And being that you're on the ground, it's even a little bit darker than it was before. Dusk is truly coming on. But all around you, the whiteness of the snow and this white marble or some kind of stone, it just glimmers you know, when like the sun is setting, so like mm. the top two thirds of the stone are still in bright sunlight, but the bottom third is already cast in shadow. Mm. Cool. You know, that's a good question. What kind of stone is it, Doran? Well, that's a very good question. Let's take a look here. And Doran kind of looks closely through eyes. You do? Through your eyes? Through his stone cunning eyes. How many feet away is it? It's 650 (laughs) feet away from you right now. So you peer through the darkness and you ascertain it is indeed a stone. (laughs) You're going to need to get much closer. It's probably white, but the colors are... But I I, I might know what it is just by the refractory of the light, you know? I mean, there's a possibility, right? Totally a chance. Sorry, the what? The refractory of the light. (laughs) Nice. Go for it. Go for it. The light bounces off of there, and then it needs a break for a minute, and then it. You always get a natural twenty. I would love for this to work. You always have lucky. (laughs) Uh, So a thirteen. Not great. Yeah, you don't know. You're too far away right now. Oh, it's just too far away, Jack. I'll tell you when we get up closer. So what's the plan, Jack? Where you want us to head first? Should we? Let's climb this first hill here and and have a look at these Karens just to just to see what what happened here. Just because we, we don't want somebody sneaking up behind us. Cool. Red just lays his ear to the ground and checks for any giants within a five kilometer radius. Ooh, that's smart. Yeah, so you do your primeval awareness. Yeah, I feel, you know, the movement uh, beneath the snow and even their footsteps. And I sort of breathe the earth and I feel everything around me within 5K. You feel the presence of your three friends and Kieran's little doggy footsteps ascend the circular mound to the north of you. As you listen for these giant footsteps, you don't hear anything. So no, no giants within five miles. Cool. And Red pops up. No giants! And catches up. Mm. So again, just to be clear, so that we're all picturing the same things in our heads, this spirit mound It's enormous. It's 800 feet wide, and it's comprised of these two concentric circles. So there's an exterior circle and an interior circle. Now that you're on the ground, each mounded circle is about 30 feet tall. It's like a hill that you have to climb, Mm. and maybe 50 to 100 feet wide. And then in between the two circles on this mound, there's like a trench that runs between them. So atop the first mound, everyone has kind of climbed up to see what they can see. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
as Red climbs to the top, he raises a hand and shouts, Screaming! And Screaming just whoom, comes out of like a snow pile and starts flying up around them. Cool. Might as well get a bird's eye view. Yeah, absolutely. And and Jack, when, once we're on top of the first hill, Jack brings Kieran back out of his little pocket dimension and you know lets him clomp around in the snow and try and see what he smells. Quayloth stands at the far side of this raised area and looks down into the valley that separates the outer circle from the inner circle and says, I wonder what was in here, if it was some sort of moat. Doran, you think you'd be able to tell if you got to the bottom of that? Hmm. Well, I don't know, Kraloth. I, I suppose if I get down there, uh, you know. Yeah, when you get a minute, just kind of got me curious. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is very interesting. I mean, perhaps at one time or another there was a water float here, but I suppose mm. once we get back up in the airship, I mean, looking at the topography, it might be uh, might make better sense. Are you investigating this excavation? I would like to. Yeah, please. Jack beams at the use of the word topography from Doran. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe so Doran even like like looks when he says the word to to Jack to make sure he used it correctly. <laughs> Rolls the word around in his mouth like a marble. So unnatural. <laughs> yeah, just like a, a thumbs up. <laughs> trying trying to make sure what you know, wait for for Red and Kralos' eyes to be turned. Just so it's just a moment between us to be like, there's a knowing glance of like, fuck yeah, <laughs> topography. Could I help Doran investigate? Yeah. And and get him Oh yeah. Why don't why don't we look around here, yeah. Doran? Let's So I'll roll with advantage then on the investigate. Not like it made much of a difference. A nine. Yeah, you look around. It's kind of difficult for you to tell what happened here. You're not really used to seeing holes in the snow. The these holes that are dug, is it hitting into dirt? Yeah, so there's like a spray of earth. Right around and actually there's a there's a couple of bones lying on the snow as well mm. any what do you think you're doing shovels claws hands how'd they dig the hole would i know that not with a nine it's hard to say but there's bones so i, I suppose maybe uh these bones were dug up and not left here they must have had bodies buried everywhere around here well it's it's a sacred site i'm I'm sure these people are important. Yes, yeah. Red and Kraloth, I feel like, have taken up their more traditional role when Jack maybe intended to hire them originally, where they're sort of just acting as bodyguards. Mm -hmm. You know, like Red is standing on the outskirt watching, you know, just scanning the landscape, looking up to Screeven every once in a while, and he just walks over to Kraloth and he's like, uh, Blackberry? And he like holds out a hand of like, Seven blackberries that he's just eating. Hmm, don't mind if I do. And Kraloth uh, grabs a couple, still looking out over the uh, the landscape. See anything cool? He points to the west and says, uh, not much daylight left, and uh, brings his goggles down. Mm. Yeah, boys, I don't know how much we want to do this at night, but um, let's make sure we uh, keep an eye on that sun. Yeah, we got we got fifteen minutes till sundown proper. Don't worry about it. I I got a keen I got a keen <laughs> sense of how much sunlight we have left. Um, tearing himself away from the like really really interesting part of like who's in this hole and why they were buried. I think Jack moves his attention to try and see you know what he can figure out from the the fact that they've all been dug up. Who dug them up? Where did they go first? Just trying to investigate 
anything around the holes to figure out who was here. How long did they like unearth this stuff? Yeah. First, I would say that would be a survival check. I would love to help here because that's exactly what I was going to do is start looking at the footprints and stuff. Yeah. So if the two of you are working in a concerted effort, putting your heads together on all of these things, yeah. let's say any of the checks that the two of you make to investigate this spirit mound can be rolled with advantage. Perfect. So go ahead and roll with advantage, Rob. Yeah, look at the footprints. They seem to be coming from here and going there. Uh, Hey, look at that, 20. Hey, way to go. Uh, not a natural 20, no, 16 plus 4. Excellent. Save me from the natural one on the other die there, though. So Doran points out a shape in the snow, maybe. And Jack, as you go over there, you identify giant size footprints. They're not super fresh, probably laid within the past five days, Mm. but deep. And from the shape of them, they appear to be stone giant footprints. Mm. Jack shivers just as soon as he says, oh, Mm. stone giants. You have like a flashback of being stuck inside of a stone giant skin. Yeah, yeah. Now you can roll investigation. Would love to. Uh, 26 on both dice, actually. Yeah. Wow. As soon as that piece of information clicks into place in your mind, the whole yeah. occasion resolves itself. What happened here? You see these wide, dragging marks in the snow around all of these excavations, and it seems like the stone giants must have taken whole handfuls of snow and earth and bones and just flung them around this site. Am I able to figure out how many of them? Yeah, there were three. Doran's kind of standing, looking at these holes with his hands on his hips, trying to discern why the giants have decided to dig where they dug. I look over at Jack, who's, you know, a little ways away, and I say, I kind of yell, well, sort of random, isn't it? Yeah, I can't find a pattern to it either. I, we'll have to, why don't we move around towards the center? Like, like we're saying, we're losing daylight. Let's see if we can figure out why the giants stopped or if they got chased off or or where they went. Can I roll anything on stone giants? I have advantage on information about them. Definitely, yeah. I'm wondering if I can sort of use like my maybe... knowledge collected from Harsh Knight to our advantage here. I figured I would have seen them. If there's tracks around here, I would have seen them eventually anyway because I'm just sort of looking around. 17. You recall something specific about the night that Jack was taken from you by the stone giant. Sounds so romantic. Remember this? When you guys were on the road with the stone giants? The mm-hmm. one melded oh, Jack so. into his arm? How can we forget? I do remember that. And it snaps in my brain. I said, hey, remember those stone giants that we came across? They were throwing dwarven architecture. They, they hated it, remember? That's right. For some reason, they wanted to destroy the idea of these people's past. They, they really wanted to annihilate it. So far, from what I can tell about stone giants, they seem obsessed with destroying previous cultures, especially the dwarven one we saw to the south, and obviously this now. But this is their own culture, is it not? No. No, it's Stone definitely not. Doran, do you need some blackberries? Sorry, I take that back. Is this is this not a, a No, this is giant? the Griffin no. tribe. No, so oh, right, 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 right. Barbarian. Right. Sorry, 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 sorry. But you're looking for a giant artifact. So I actually had it the other similar. way around. I thought this was a giant site and the barbarians had dug the holes. Sorry. Mm, it was misunderstood. Opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Kraloth uh, watches Doran slide down this embankment and says, Do we know exactly what sort of artifact we're looking for? Is it another conch? 
No, these are the artifacts that we have to return so that we can find the location of the conscience. Right, right, right. These are just artifacts that we're returning to the uh, giant peoples. So we wouldn't be able to use the rod of Vonadad to say, look for giant artifact. If they're made out of adamantine, we could, and it can locate an object, so... Yeah, that's... Kraloth, that's a great idea. Thank you. I have them every once in a while. It's probably Kelimvor's influence. Once we set up camp, we can take that hour, maybe. Let's let's. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. True. Listen, while we've got a few minutes of light, let's get to the the altar just to see what's through there. All right. And Red, like, walks a few steps ahead, holds up a hand to gesture for everyone to stop, looks around, Uh, gestures them forward and continues. Yeah. (laughs) As if, like, like him and Kraloth are, like, the bodyguards here. (laughs) Hold on. All right, it's safe. Let's go. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just trying to contribute. Just trying to contribute in any way we can. Because we just have nothing to do here. (laughs) (laughs) So these embankments, they're rock. Could I roll like a stone cutting to see if they were chiseled? Yeah, great idea. There was water erosion. Yeah. You kick aside some of the snow to take a look at the ground underneath. 24. Yeah. You can tell that this structure was made maybe a thousand years ago. Okay. It's definitely very old. And there are chips of white stone in and amongst the other kinds, standard stone, but this, there's chalk here. Ah. And it clicks in your mind that that spire, the shining white beacon, this tall pillar stone is probably also made of chalk. So Doran, like, excitedly runs back up to Kraloth and joins them. So you know what I did? I, I down there I kicked aside some of the snow and good and it job, turns Doran. Out that, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you kicked that snow so not, well. Oh, thank you, oh, guys. Did cool. you hear that? Doran kicked oh, the yeah. snow. Well, uh, but let me tell you, it's it. They're not. They're not valleys. In fact, we're on hills, and and these uh, hills have been built out of stone. And what I think that spire is over there, pointing at the giant white rock, it must be chalk. That's what gives us that brilliant white. Great job, Doran. I'm so proud of you. I thought you were just kicking snow, which is cool, but that's even better. Well, I can kick snow, too. Watch this, Red. Whoa! What a kick! There was something significant about this. I mean, I know yeah. that chalk, you could, uh, it's very easy to carve. Maybe because it's nice and visible from the air, right? If they want to be seen, they want to be seen from far away. If, they're, if they've got a relationship with griffins, I could certainly understand an appeal to something that you're going to see no matter the time of year. Mm-hmm. There could be something to that. I, I'm not sure. I, yeah. And Jack's, Jack's almost like, he's doing his best to follow Red's lead and not rush ahead, but he definitely wants to like dash through the snow and, and hop a cliff to get mm-hmm. to the center of this. Oh, so- Red was just getting you across the valley. He's fully just helping you here. I'm, I'm, I'm done now. I step aside and I gesture forward. Have at it, Jack. You're on the ridge of this second inner concentric circle. And all around you, there are these toppled cairns and meniers. And also strange shapes under the snow here belie the presence of something hidden. (gasps) Too bad you don't have move snow, only Mm. move earth. Well, watch this. And Doran kicks some snow. Oh, Doran, for the win! We can do it with our well feet done. or with our hands even. Perhaps to Jack's dismay, Doran kicks a mound of snow <laughs> and a pile of bones underneath just goes <laughs> flying. Oh, uh, oops. 
I mean, Jack Jack does his best to reach out with his mind and like catch a few of them with his mage hand just before they crash into oh, the ground. Wow. But he can't get all of them. Some of them, you know, tumble no. past. He's like, a vertebra just falls down the hill. <laughs> so good. Oh shit, Doran. Doran's <laughs> bum blushes. Hey, don't beat yourself up over it. I would have done the exact same thing. Look. Ah! <laughs> yeah, bones go flying. You're kicking a bunch of bones. See. And Kraylov says, "Stop." All of a sudden, very serious, and he's going to reach down and pick up one of these bones. Mm. Mm, roll a nature check for me. 17. These are not human bones. Mm. They're a bit bigger yeah, than human they're, bones? They're horse bones, actually. Oh. Mm. Horse bones. Maybe food for the griffins? I toss one back to Jack. Roll dexterity. Roll dexterity. <laughs> in the dusk. Whoa, just get hit Jack, in the head with a horse femur. Jack gets clobbered. <laughs> 2d4 bludgeoning damage. Jack, you know that this tribe would sacrifice horses at this site over uh. the years in order to potentially feed their mounts or maybe just to appease the spirits. Mm. Think about how many horses they must have collected over the years to build this pile of bones over a millennium. Four? Um, five? No, five. Five. Final answer. Five. Seven? <laughs> Doran, don't say seven. I'm going seven. Definitely more than seven. They, they, they have to have at least 12. Eight? Twelve. Fine. Twelve. Final answer. Twelve. Jack? Twelve? Jack's closing his eyes, and he's counting in his head at this picture of a horse he's seen. He's about 205 bones <laughs> in the body of a fully mature horse, yeah. uh, which is one fewer than humans who have 206. I was closest. All right, what's the plan, Jack? You want to look around here? I do. I definitely do. We, I mean, we got we to gotta find... Yeah, you know what? Maybe I'm going to go ahead. I won't touch anything, but I'm just going to hop to the middle and see if I can't find something. I promise I won't mess it up. I mean, I, that's... red jugs off. That's where I want to go, too. I, I'm right behind you. Bye! <laughs> see you later, Red. Uh... <laughs> just ruining this whole experience I took my for time. Jack. I waited. I was very patient. I was like, all right. Jack wants to do this stuff. He's going to be patient, but Red runs towards the center. Uh, we, Dorian, we, we really should head that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm already here. Don't worry. I got it. What do you see? I'll tell you. In the middle of the griffin-shaped indentation in the earth, Red strides up atop a mound of its own. And on top of that, slabs of broken white marble lie in a pile. What was once an altar is reduced to rubble. I wonder if they tuck it. Red shouts back. Okay, I'll roll an investigation real quick. Like a nine. Yeah, apart from the pieces of this broken altar, you detect nothing. Red just loudly shrugs towards their direction. Screeven is flying overhead and goes, Scree! at you. By this point, I assume... They all came over, yeah. Hey, boys, look at it. It's a marble slab that's broken. Anyway, we're losing daylight. I'm going to go check out one of those other mounds. You let me know if you find anything. Bye! Mm, okay. Doran, why don't we try and move this marble slab and see if we can find anything under here? If, if there was a most sacred place to hide a most sacred object and you wanted to do things on top of it, my guess is here. Let's, let's see if we can dig a hole. Yeah. Why not put things underneath the marble slab? Uh, how are we going to move that, though? I don't know. You're strong. Heave. <laughs> Jack just waves his hand at you. Good luck. <laughs> As a seat. Well, maybe I don't know. You're strong. Hired help. It yeah, it's there's a whole like a whole year worth of like camaraderie. You just slipped out of his mind, and we're back at the very first dig site, which is like, yeah, uh-huh. just haul some shit, whatever. Uh-huh. Let's let's lean into it. Hirelings. <laughs> Doran looks over Kriloth, and he gives a shrug and says, 
well, let's try it. Kraloth, you want to grab that end of this uh, piece of stone and see if we can uh, roll it over? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Move it over the way? Yeah, okay. After about five minutes of heaving and hoisting, you two, the the huge human and this small dwarf, managed to clear the majority of the remains of the altar from the top of this mound. <sighs> oh. And Jack's like right in the middle. He's got his little shovel and pick and he's sort the of... sleeves rolled up? Oh, absolutely. The sleeves on his jacket rolled up. He's not even worried about the cold. He's probably taking his jacket off, actually, because he's he's got this rune mm-hmm. to not worry about. Yeah. That. So he's, he's down there in the sweat, moving the small pieces. Digging underneath the altar, you uncover a smooth white disc. Ah! Uh-huh. Ho-ho! Marked with one hole, semicircular, but appearing to have been broken along its flat edge, jagged. It's nearly the size of a writing desk, and as you fully unearth it, you realize one side is beautifully painted in blue and silver, made to resemble half of a face. It's a giant-sized mask, broken vertically in half. The eye hole is open, staring blindly up at the darkening sky. The mouth is twisted in an evil scowl. I'm wondering if Jack might use levitate to get it just to come up, and just in those last shining rays of light, this mask floats and catches the light. Yeah. Yeah, you just hear Red be like, Did you guys find anything? And then he looks over and he sees this mask, and he's like, I didn't see anything, just bones! And he, like, waves a femur <laughs> that's, like, loosely attached to another leg piece, yeah, and the yeah, leg yeah. piece just goes flying as it, like, disconnects. The cartilage way too old just goes flying, like, 300 meters to his left. He's like, oh, and then he drops the bone. Screaven picks it out of midair yeah. and just flies away with it. Next one, Screaven! All right, I'm coming back! And Red just runs back towards you guys. I think, completely out of character, Doran has retrieved his um, notebook, and uh, is scribbling down, you know, what this looks like, you know, even even mm. the situation. A uh, mask. Not words, like <laughs> drawing it. Big mask. <laughs> yeah, I think carefully setting this half of the mask aside, I think Jack's trying to see if the other half is down here somewhere. Digging further reveals the second half of the giant mask, spoiled by grave dirt, but still impressive in its crafting. Ooh. And Jack's got his little brush, and he's carefully like getting the edges of the dirt off before he moves it too far, just not wanting to to have it crack or break this this cool thing. Mm-hmm. Is it the uh-huh. same face, or is it one of those drama faces where it's you know one? No, it's it's scowling. Same its face. Mouth okay. Completed now yeah. with the other half in this fearsome grimace. And I think Red catches back up. How <laughs> oh, cool! Well done, guys. Way to go. Can I roll with advantage on information again to see which of the giants might have worn this mask? Absolutely. Nice. Good call. Good answer. Good answer. (laughs) Show me blah, blah, blah. That's 16. Given your experience with the species. And Harshnag. I feel like a lot of this came from Harshnag, like long late night conversations that Red had with him. The aristocracy of the cloud giants certainly use masks like these. Hey, you know, I remember Harshnag saying that cloud giants wore things like these every once in a while. They were pretty fancy-pantsy mm. people. Mm. I guess they are. Interesting. And Red just sort of leans over. This must be one of the artifacts that we need to mm. return. Yeah, I think Jack's carefully like wrapping them in, in pieces of his cloak, maybe to make sure they don't break together or clink around, and, and mm-hmm. tries to like carefully get them located in, in the bag of holding. Well, once we get it on the ship, then we can just store it up there until... Uh... We get back. 
the mouth of the bag of holding is just large enough that you can squeeze them inside. I kind of picture that being a funny scene too. Like we open the bag of holding and they were like, oh, well, the mouth isn't. And then it just keeps going. We're like, oh, never really realized how big this bag of holding <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. And Red's like leaning in. He's like, oh, oh, don't knock over my set of manacles. Oh, no, no, no. Not next to the piece of cloud. Okay. Keep, keep that. Keep that. No, no, no. Take that. Those are the cloaks and masks from earlier. No, no. Don't don't put it next to the bare skin taxidermy toy. You know, we're going to have to rotate. We're going to have to rotate it to get in. Just hold it there for a second. And we if we put it in <laughs> on an angle, this, this will fit. Look. I'll- it's a good thing it wasn't in a whole piece. I mean, because otherwise we'd have to break it. You're in knocking half over the in infernal here. puzzle box. Don't, no, 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 no. Next to the table. Next to the table. Why do we have a table? What do you mean, why do we have a table? for putting the things on. Don't don't worry about it. All right, it's in. I guess we should signal this bad boy to come back. As the sun dips below the horizon, a fine mist spills out of the ground and hovers over the snow, ghost-like. And something moves within the fog. At first, you think it's the mist playing tricks on you. It's very unsettling. And then there's a shape, an outline of a figure almost, some distortion in your perception that resolves just for a moment into a featureless head and torso, then dissolves immediately. Artemis, I'm so sorry. Where have you gone? What the hell was that? Who, who's there? I, I, I don't feel very good right now. No. Guys. This mist came out of nowhere. Doran pulls out his axe. And reflected on the head of Orc Splitter on every metal breastplate in Kieran's deep eyes, translucent figures step through the fog. I feel like Red pulls out that little locket with the glass in it where he's been looking at this young girl and he sort of looks at the reflection in the glass and holds it up to try to see in the mists. Mm -hmm. When you're looking through the fog, you can see these distortions in the mist, but they don't really resolve into figures until you look at them through the reflection of some metal object. They walk in a dreamlike state, hairless, eyeless, naked, insubstantial forms. And as they pass near to you, you can hear their mutters, groaning, pleading. Undead, or something. They're trapped. Their souls haven't been able to move on. They're, They're spirits. They're spirits of the dead that were buried here. What race are they? Are they all human? Great question. They're not all human. Although their differences are blurred, they seem almost as if archetypal versions of themselves. Indistinct, featureless. Hello? Red says shakily. Can you hear us? You hear a voice pass by you, Red. I would have never left if I had known it to be so cold. Just for one moment to hold our children again, to help you with the field. Yeah, I think Red's drawn his bow and he's like spinning around, you know, just... Maybe we should try to make it out of the circle before calling the airship because... Marina said that something up here was causing this hunger. I wonder if this is related. I wonder if this has something to do with it. I've never experienced anything like this before. Perhaps. Kraloth rubs his ring. Captain Trenieros, do you hear me? He appears in the mist, frightening you for a moment as one of these insubstantial forms walks through him. He looks around at these forms and he says, Kraloth, these These are not all dead. And what are they? Illusions? Visions? 
And then something more substantial moves in the mist. A putrid corpse, festering with bloat and slick with maggots, dressed in shreds of armor. Its eyes burn triumphantly with green flame, and its bloated lips slur over hill, through forest, across river. The thrill of the hunt calls to us, a quarry so tempting, a kill so deliciously inspiring, to hang your skull as a trophy in our great hall. Come to me. Shit's about to get real. Thank you once again to our wonderful Patreon supporters, Christopher Ryan Evans, Merlin, Mitchell Cadwell, Ashley and JB, Colin Burkhart, Daniel, Doug, Jessica Orrit, Jonah Goldman, Katie Orrit, Mari Kaneski, Brianna and Michael Weber. Thank you so much. You make all the difference. a big bad wolf and we went on a side quest Woo! we did a whole thing and now we're the best ay. everybody here's gonna uh, go on an airship yeah. we're gonna find all the mounds uh. a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.